0: AM 1280, The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. 20 years of intelligent talk.
1: With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. While being Republican, Congresswoman Liz Cheney introducing two bills seeking to block the White House plan to pause leases for oil, gas, or coal on federal lands, a key part of its expansive climate change platform. Bernie Bennett reports. Cheney, the number three House Republican and the representative of a major fossil fuel producing state
2: said the Safeguarding Oil and Gas Leasing and Permitting Act and the Safeguarding Coal Leasing Act would force the Biden administration to obtain a joint resolution of approval from Congress before implementing any federal moratorium on oil and gas leasing or permitting or coal leasing. Cheney touted 21 co-sponsors for the Safeguarding Oil and Gas Leasing and Permitting Act and 14 for the Safeguarding Coal Leasing Act, as well as support from a number of industry groups. Bernie Bennett reporting. More
1: demonstrations all around Russia earlier in the day. Tens of thousands of people protesting, 4,000 arrested. This is SRN News.
0: 20 years of broadcasting is a big deal for any radio station, but especially so when you're keeping things red in a blue state. Congratulations to AM 1280, The Patriot. Congrats to The Patriot.
3: Happy 20th anniversary. Hey, congrats to AM 1280,
2: The Patriot. 20 years of intelligent radio. Happy 20th anniversary, AM
0: 1280, The Patriot. Thanks for sticking with us through the last 20. Here's to 20 more. AM 1280, The Patriot.
4: You're listening to AM 1280, the Patriot Intelligence Radio. Weather for today is snowy with a high of 33, moving into cloudy and a low of 20 tonight. Partly sunny and a high of 29 tomorrow. The big game is coming up this Sunday, the 7th, while you're preparing your signature chip dip, Take a moment to guess the perfect score between Tampa Bay and Kansas City. If you do, you could win $50,000. Sign up today at am1280thepatriot.com. Just click on our Freedom Fan Club page.
0: The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air, live and local from the AM 1280, the Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM
2: 1280, the Patriot, the the right the right. Northern Alliance Radio Network. For, 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 Back at hour number two of the broadcast, we like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag NarnShow, that's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. And if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And hey, look at that, I'm broadcasting live on our Facebook page. Yeah, we're live streaming our broadcasts. Each and every weekend, Mitch and I have both uh, gotten in the habit of doing so. And uh, not so much that you can watch us do this, although if you want to, that's fine. But it's a great way for us to interact with the listeners slash viewers as well as uh, you're making comments on our, our videos here, whatnot. So uh, hopefully you you tune in. And if you're listening to the podcast, hey, we appreciate any way you could possibly listen to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And, of course, uh, next Sunday, being uh, Super Bowl Sunday, am I allowed to say Super Bowl on the air? Uh, okay, because cause I mean, because I hear a lot of these commercials advertising the Super Bowl, they say the big game. So, but I think as long as I'm not like advertising an event or anything, I think I'm okay saying Super Bowl, right? Okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> uh, I, I no, I I'm just kidding. I was that was actually clarified uh, by our operations manager Lee Michaels that I can actually uh, I say it, but I just can't use it like in a paid commercial or something like that. I think that's how it goes. Ah, whatever, but uh, yeah, next Sunday the Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the broadcast. We're scheduled to have on uh, Minnesota State Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. Uh, he was supposed to call in. Have yet to hear from him uh, as yet. So when he does call in, uh, i you know, gentlemen, will let me know as soon as possible. I know you will. Um, we can certainly pick up our conversation then. Uh, but I wanted to talk to him specifically about the uh, state budget that was proposed by Governor Walls uh, this past week, as well as some of the other agenda items that are on for this legislative session. And uh, we hope to hear from Senator Gazelka. Again, if he isn't able to join us, uh, I, I uh, that's perfectly fine. We'll try to figure out what happened, maybe have him on in a future broadcast. But again, if he does call in, we'll certainly take his call and uh, pick up our conversation wherever we may be uh, – wherever we may be at. Now, I did want to get to um, Governor Walz's budget proposal and how it's pretty much, it's pretty much a non-starter. I mean, when you have a Republican-controlled Senate and a DFL-controlled House, although a scant majority in the House, and a DFL governor, okay, the initial proposal by the, the sitting governor isn't going to be the final one. I mean, it's just a, it's just a beginning point. But, it definitely underscores the dfl's thought process in how to handle a budget and particularly in the midst where we're going to be running a pretty significant deficit because what has happened in years past is we've had surpluses going into a budget year and yet you still have dflers wanting to increase taxes say wow look at that we've got a we've got a budget surplus and we've had slight tax increases before And, well, look, it seems to be working, so why don't we just keep going working, continue to build up the surpluses and the general fund and yada, 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 and not passing off the tax relief to the citizens. Now, I've said on this show many a time, I have never understood the gleefulness that takes place when there is a budget surplus. How is that good news that you've taken more money from the citizens than you actually need to run to the state? Now, it's one thing if it's a few million in a surplus, you know, in a state this size. But we are talking hundreds of millions, even a billion dollars like we've had before. That just to me, it just gets to be a bridge too far. But that's neither here nor there. This is from the Star Tribune this past week, the headline, Governor Tim Walls's fifty two point four billion dollar budget raises taxes on wealthiest Minnesotans. Again, I'll read from the story. Governor Tim Walls Proposed a fifty-two point four billion dollar state budget Tuesday that would raise taxes on the wealthiest Minnesotans, corporations, and tobacco products, while trying to ease the pandemic's burden on students, lower-income families, and small business owners. Um, here's here's one suggestion where you could ease uh, uh, the burden on students. Let them get back in the classroom. I mean, there's the. Head of the CDC has said as much. Yeah, he he was even asked months ago, would you feel safe if your grandchildren go back in the schools? And he he answered unequivocally, yeah, absolutely I would. But I digress. Walls said the budget needs to address the uneven economic toll the coronavirus has exacted. He planned to raise taxes for families earning more than $1 million while offering a tax cut to about 1 million couples making less than $39,810. This is a starting point. This is a budget that reflects Minnesota's sense that those who COVID hit the hardest, we need to help, Wall said. It asks folks to pay their fair share. I always love it when he says, we're asking uh, people in this pandemic to do this, or we're asking to do that, or in this case, it asks folks to pay their fair share. You're not asking! Okay? That's not an ask! This is something that you're trying to put into play. But apparently, if you say we're asking, it somehow softens a blow. I don't know. Uh, Republican lawmakers uh, sharply rejected any tax increases in the next budget. Uh, Quote, we do not need to raise taxes. We need to get the vaccine out. We need to get the kids back in school. We need to get kids in sports without masks. Simple, basic things, said Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. Ooh, should be on the phone with us right now. <laughs> Excuse me. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Uh, the governor's budget comes as national questions with major financial consequences, including the speed of COVID-19 vaccinations and President Joe Biden's chances of passing a $1.9 trillion economic relief package remain unanswered. Walls said there's a good chance there will be another relief bill that would change his spending plans, but he cannot bank on federal help. Instead, he is looking at extensive tax increases and using some of the state's reserves to support his additional spending and tax breaks and address a projected deficit of nearly $1.3 billion in 2022 and 23. Walls' proposal was the first step in a complicated path to a budget deal. He must reach an agreement with the legislature where Republicans control the Senate and Democrats wield the majority in the House. Uh, Senate Finance Chair, uh, Chairwoman Julie Rosen, a Republican out of Fairmont, called Walls' budget unsustainable, and she's exactly right. Look, this is this seems to be the overall attitude of DFLers when it comes to addressing you know these shortfalls, or even when there's a surplus, it's increased taxes, and there's never any talk about cutting spending. Never from what from everything I've been able to, to gather in reading in the, reading this story. Let me see if I can even find it. Yeah, it uh, it talks about uh, maybe cutting uh, spending. You know, overall about one hundred and fifty million bucks. Well, when you're talking a fifty two billion dollar budget, cutting one hundred fifty million dollars is a point three percent cut that that's that's a joke and this is why people are so frustrated with government and don't trust government one iota or hardly at all some don't trust them one iota and that's quite simply when you're saying well we're asking uh, minnesotans to make the sacrifice here we're asking minnesotans to make the sacrifice there when these people who are doing the asking haven't sacrificed a doggone thing they're still drawing their salary these government bureaucrats still get a paycheck. But yet the government enacts measures which are closing down businesses or hurting businesses to the point where these businesses have to make cutbacks and people are losing their jobs. And when people lose their jobs, guess what else is happening? They're not paying income taxes. So that's less tax revenue coming in. And when businesses are being shut down, guess what happens? They aren't, they aren't, well, there's no revenue going into them if they're shut down, so they're not charging so there's no sales tax revenue coming out of these businesses and yet the answer is to increase taxes. I mean, when the min post comes out and says, "Yeah, this tax the rich, yeah, guess what? That doesn't just tax the rich and i'll you know I'll read a quick excerpt from this. Uh, the argument is, again, this is from the MIN Post. The argument against the state's uh, corporation franchise tax is often touted by the usual sources. Uh, the Minnesota uh, Chamber of Commerce, the Center of the American Experiment, and Americans for Prosperity Minnesota, conservative organizations and business groups that have long advocated for lower taxes and all of which come out, uh, come out against Walz's plan. But the less-than-obvious effects of the corporate franchise tax have also been identified by another Minnesota organization. Yeah, it's those conservative stooges at the Minnesota Department of Revenue. Uh, every other year, the state agency prepares a report that attempts to determine who ultimately pays taxes rather than just who or what writes checks to the state. And in 2019, the Minnesota Tax in- Incidence Study was prepared by the agency to assess the burden of state and local taxes across income groups or as then-Revenue Commissioner Sidney Bowerly put it, who pays Minnesota taxes. In discussing taxes on business property, purchases, and corporate income, the study concludes that most of the tax burden is, drumroll please, partially shifted to consumers and workers. There you have it. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that those consumers and workers to whom these taxes are shifted aren't in those million-dollar categories. And uh, I'll continue with this MinPost story. The amount of tax shifting varies by tax and by business sector depending on the scope of the product market, local or national, and the magnitude of Minnesota's tax rates compared to those in other states. The report stated, To shift a tax, the individual or business legally liable to pay the tax must alter its economic behavior of the tax. For example... A property tax paid by a business firm may lead the firm to raise its prices, lower its pay to employees, or the business owner may experience reduced profits. See, that's a a no-brainer. This is Economics 101. What is the biggest expense of any business outside of taxes? It's overhead, right? Salaries? So if you can immediately find ways to increase your bottom line, what are you going to look at? You're going to look at your labor costs. So when you're starting to get hit hard by the tax man, it gets taken out of the pockets of the employees, which, again, not necessarily, not exactly going out on a limb here. That's not, those people aren't making a million dollars a year or are millionaires who uh, the governor desires to tax more. And, And they never learn this. These are all regressive taxes. And the tobacco taxes, you know, the taxes on vaping products, you know, they're coming out constantly trying to get people out of the habit of smoking or vaping or what have you. But now you're relying on people to continue these behaviors because you need the tax revenue. So you're trying to play that balancing act. I mean, it just, again, we don't need to get too overwrought about this bloated budget that the governor is proposing because it's dead on arrival. There's no way he's going to get everything he wants. So this is a beginning point. I get all that. But, again, I can't emphasize enough, this is just a, an example of the attitude that the DFLers take on. Everything can be, can be done away with by taxing the wealthy. Taxing the wealthy. And it never works. Never. And particularly in a time of pandemic where less tax revenue is coming in, they got to do the, uh, it's not the most politically expedient thing, but it would be the right thing and look for ways to cut spending. Because this idea of we're one Minnesota, we're all in this together. We're not all in this together, because those who are making these decisions and touting those chanting points, we're all in this together. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta come together and 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 you know shared sacrifice. They never share in the sacrifice, never. So 651-289-4488 is the number to call. We may uh, get back, circle back to uh, some of these issues when we come back in the next segment. Hopefully, we can hear from Minnesota State Senate uh, Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. If not. Uh, We'll continue to talk about uh, this uh, budget proposal in the next segment. And, again, take your phone calls, as well as if you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, it's hashtag NarnShow and hashtag NARNShow. And don't forget, we are broadcasting live on our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page, so hop on over there, feel free to comment, leave a question there if you'd like. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Waiting for the break.
0: Cool voiceover. Zany sound effect. Uh, We were going to write a flashy promo about streaming us at Radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple, too. Listen to The Patriot on the free Radio.com
3: app. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshares. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, well, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? Well, the crazy thing is this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Were
1: you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242.
6: Progressive Motorcycle presents Road Wisdom from the Motor.
7: Half a man, half a motorcycle. Motorcycle, motorcycle.
6: If you missed a turn, there's always another turn. Take it to get back to the turn you missed. Use your turn signal. Progressive Motorcycle also presents Roadside Assistance. Progressive Motorcycle, for those who were born to ride. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliate. Paid for by get
1: Upside. This is Matt Crowder live at the Shell Station on 41st Street, reporting on the free gas app called GetUpside. That's letting people all over the country earn cash back on every gallon of gas they buy. Uh, excuse me, miss. Have you heard of the Get Upside gas app? Of
5: course. People are earning as much as $300 a year with the GetUpside app. It's so easy. You just take a picture of your gas receipt and get up to 25 cents a gallon cash back every time you buy gas.
1: Wow. Well, there you have it. Stop paying full price for gas. Download the free GetUpside gas app and earn up to $0.25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. This is Matt Crowder, Radio News Network. Download the free Get Upside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to $0.25 cents per gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code TANK for a $0.50 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to $0.75 cents per gallon on your next tank. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift for Amazon and other brands. Earn cash back on gas on every fill-up. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TANK. That's T-A-N-K. You
0: listen every day. I never miss it. So now it's time for you to join the conversation. Who, me? Like am 1280 the Patriot on Facebook and share your thoughts with like-minded conservatives. You can also enter to win prizes, learn about upcoming events, and more.
3: I never thought about the universe. It made me feel small. Never thought about
4: the problems of this planet at all. Global Woman Radio exercise. Imperialistic and animal hey, right
2: welcome back! No! AM twelve eight of the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network it is me, Brad Carlson. Thanks so much for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NARN Show. That's hashtag N A R N Show for any comments or questions. Always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I've been texting back and forth with uh, Majority Leader Gazelka's scheduler, Rachel. A uh, friend of the show, by the way, I uh, just told her that uh, maybe we can uh, circle back uh, with the majority leader in the spring. Uh, just uh, unable to get a hold of him, so uh, we apologize, folks. We uh, touted his appearance on there, but he's uh, not able to appear. I just hope that uh, everything is okay with the uh, w- with the Senate Majority Leader. Certainly no <laughs> certainly no ill will on our part. Sometimes things happen where folks forget, or they uh, where they're planning on being available and then just aren't available. So it is all good, believe me. Uh, we've got plenty to get to on the broadcast here today. I uh, want to uh, circle back to this. Uh, I'm kind of sounding like the press secretary now. I want to circle back here. <laughs> I'm forever going to think about that whenever I use that phrase now. I want to circle back um, to this issue with Governor Walls wanting to raise taxes. And you know what? Kudos to the Minn Post. I read some excerpts from their story uh, about how, The uh, uh, Walls' tax the rich plan doesn't just tax the rich, and I want to follow up on that with uh, D.J. Tice wrote an editorial at the Star Tribune uh, how taxing the rich is trickier uh, than it seems. I'm going to uh, read a few uh, paragraphs from this. Uh, Taxes incentivize people to change their behaviors to the extent they can so that somebody else pays. All this is particularly important when evaluating Walls' proposed big tax hike on corporate profits, domestic and foreign, which would put Minnesota's already high business taxes near the very top among states. Uh just to, just kind of an aside there, I think we're fourth already, and this proposal would put us, I think, second or third, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I don't know if he's going for the top spot wanting to, you know, run around with the foam finger, we're number one type of deal, but uh, we're getting close, that's for sure. Uh, The idea, of course, is that if you're not a millionaire or a billionaire, why would you worry about taxes on corporations? It may be because hiking taxes on doing business, creating jobs, and earning profits in Minnesota will disincentivize that behavior, stunting the state's economy and or indirectly hiking everybody's taxes, especially those with lower incomes. The Minnesota Department of Revenue's biennial tax incidence study is a remarkable piece of ongoing state research that painstakingly documents tax policy realities like these. State policymakers should read it sometime, given their often avowed enthusiasm for science. Above all, in in a edition after edition, decade after decade, these studies have explained that taxes on businesses are regressive, while the initial impact of these taxes is on business, they are partially shifted forward to consumers in higher prices or backward to labor in lower wages. So he's essentially citing the same study that the MinnPost also uh, cited. So I'll uh, read a couple more excerpts of this, and then we'll move on to other topics. Minnesota, of course, remains a prosperous place despite its comparatively high taxes. But that may be especially true for the already prosperous who are able to react to the incentives and disincentives of tax policy more readily than your average custodian or factory hand can. It could be those who are least able to move their capital or move themselves to lower tax locations who indirectly pay the price of Minnesota government's generosity to itself. This kind of shift may even partly frustrate the aim of Minnesota's lofty individual income tax rates on the rich. It's true that the millionaires and billionaires on whom Wall's wants to impose a new fifth income tax bracket are a small and weirdly wealthy group whose behavior and impact is hard to evaluate. But Minnesota's tradition of high tax rates on a broader population of people with exceptional skills and high earnings may end up imposing costs on someone else altogether. The idea would be that high state income tax rates disincentivize talent executives or surgeons or lawyers, etc., from coming to Minnesota or staying here. But they don't necessarily go elsewhere. They just get a raise, a high, a level of pay higher than it would otherwise need to be to make up for the tax disincentive. If so, who pays for that? Stockholders? CEOs? Or maybe it squeezes the pay of clerical and production employees who don't have offers coming in twice a month from Seattle and Miami and Phoenix? Taxes are necessary and important to fund necessary and important government programs. But let's not be overconfident about controlling who or what we disincentivize in the process. Again, uh, terrific op-ed from DJ Tice in the Star Tribune. Well, I think just on the surface, and again, I I talked about this last segment, we're going to have a lot less revenue coming in from businesses either being burned to to the ground in the riots or going out of business because they were forced, they were shut down by, uh, the governor's mandates. So, what would be a more genuine approach to this budget is the governor coming out and saying, "Look, we're going to have to make some significant cuts here," because the reality is businesses have been shut down, businesses have been hurting. If he just at least showed an appreciation for the fact that his, as you know, my friend and colleague Mitch Berg calls them, ham-fisted mandates have cause businesses to suffer, okay, then people might be more on board with this approach. But the fact that there's not even an appreciation for it, that the fact that a lot of these tax increases are going to aim at these business owners who are certainly not making the profits that they that they used to before, or if they're even in business at all. But if the governor again would at least acknowledge look we've fallen in tough times we felt you know shutting down these businesses temporarily was the proper antidote to combat this uh, this pandemic unfortunately it has caused hardship so therefore we don't have the tax revenue coming in so we're going to have to make these tough cuts and if he if he if he used the line we're asking this department of government that department of government to scale back their budgets Okay, but but these government bureaucrats, they aren't sharing in it. You know, because when when they're talking about one Minnesota and we're all in this together, we're not all in this together. We're not. Especially when government is in the habit of picking winners and losers regarding which businesses to shut down with these mandates. So we're definitely not all in it together. And once again, we're we're going to feel it here, even though that's not the governor's intention saying well if we tax the wealthiest people you know they're the ones that uh, you know that, that can share in the sacrifice you know they they become, a lot of these mandates don't affect them because they already have all this money you know and this is just this class envy at work again but completely ignoring basic economics of how all these taxes are so regressive and and they never learn this or they don't want to understand it i don't know which but either way it's a dangerous approach And this is the frustrating thing about it, is people don't feel like we're all in this together. Particularly when the governor says, well, I'm asking this, I'm asking that. Well, you're not asking. That's the problem. You're just going ahead and and, and trying to implement it. So I'm going to be real interested to see what the counter proposals are going to be from the the Senate, because obviously the Senate has the uh, Republican majority and the House has the Democrat majority. Will the House just go along and want to be a rubber stamp for what the governor is proposing? Or would the slim majority that they have in the House try to, you know, push through these same kind of uh, tax increases, which they claim are only going to be on the wealthy, which, you know, as we've demonstrated are, are quite regressive? I don't know, but you know, when when there's when there's talk about being all in this together and, and shared sacrifice, there's not enough of these government employees that are are making sacrifices, and they're getting guarantees that people who work in small businesses or employees of other companies, they're not getting. So uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on this uh, going forward, that is for sure. Uh, session has about uh, three and a half, four months to go, so uh, going to be a lot of maneuvering in that time frame, that is for certain. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NARN Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment of the broadcast. Go nowhere.
1: It's definitely a song all about loneliness.
6: Hi, Paul Rubin here from the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC. And I'm honored to announce that we've partnered with AM 1280 The Patriot to bring you the Pledge of Allegiance, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. We feel it's very important to bring the pledge back to the forefront of our daily lives. Each day, a local veteran, an active service member, or a first responder We'll proudly recite the pledge to kick off our day and honor our country. Tune in at 7.30 and God bless America.
7: This is Dennis Prager from Mathnasium, the math learning center. Getting good math help for kids has never been more important. Did you know that even in normal times, more than 6 out of 10 students are not proficient at great level math? Distance learning isn't exactly improving things, but at Mathnasium, students not only become proficient at math, they reach their highest math potential, understanding and becoming confident about math and enjoying success in school and long afterward. Now available online and in-center, Mathnasium uses customized learning plans and live instructors to develop number sense, math fluency, and problem-solving skills. Now more than ever, it's time to do your kids or your grandkids a favor and set them up for success at Mathnasium. Find a Patriot-supporting Mathnasium Center on the advertiser page at am1280thepatriot.com or call 763-269-6969. Mathnasium, changing lives through math.
2: Are you in charge of cleaning and sanitization at your food production facility? American Pressure has the tools to help you. Custom high-pressure conveyor wash systems save time and water and help you automate cleaning. Give us a call today at 763-521-4442, and we'd be happy to come visit you at your location. Buy local, buy quality. Visit AmericanPressure.com. Be who you want to be. Say what you want to say. Welcome back, AM 1280, The Patriot. Live
1: how you want to live.
2: Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Sing if you want to sing. Here to take a phone call, 651-289-4488. Give if you want to Feel free to weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. NarnShow. For any comments or questions, and as always, we appreciate you tuning in. I did want to shift back to some national news stories, particularly uh, the uh, situation in New York, particularly Governor Andrew Cuomo. If you've been following this pandemic since it got started last year, uh, Governor Cuomo initially, uh, he, the Democrat governor of New York, was kind of held up as the exemplary leader on how to Show leadership in a crisis and to handle everything that a pandemic throws at a uh, given state. Well, the one issue that, and again, if we had a, if we didn't have a media that was so corrupt and hackish, would actually be investigating thoroughly. And to be fair, Governor Cuomo was asked some tough questions to some of these pressers, but the guy is so smug and self righteous that he just doesn't seem to have any hint of humility or self-awareness when it comes to what a disaster his state has been with this pandemic i mean that i mean i get it new york is a big state so in terms of raw numbers in terms of cases and deaths yeah in it's it's going to be significant but when you're talking about death rate and uh, and percentage of positive cases it's pretty significant well perhaps the scandal of this whole situation was uh, Governor Cuomo's nursing home policy where he essentially, in order to keep the hospital beds open in anticipation of a significant number of COVID cases and to have the hospitals ready to where if an influx of cases were to come through, that they would be ready, that there would be enough beds uh available to take them on well what he did was he kept covid infected patients in nursing homes kept them in the nursing homes well what we've known from this pandemic from the very beginning was that it was particular people most susceptible to the coronavirus were those with underlying health condition and our elderly particularly ages 65 and and older. And as you get higher up in the age range, obviously the more susceptible you become. I mean this is I mean, for for every for everything that we've learned about this virus and again the knowledge has evolved. You know, I I, I I'm not going to join in on the course pig piling upon Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah, he's said some things that turned out to be incorrect, but It was only through studying this virus and its tendencies were we able to make better determinations about, you know, face masks where at first they were indicated not worthless and now they say, well, they don't completely help, they don't completely prevent the spread of COVID, but it helps mitigate it. The key aspect, of course, is physical distancing. I mean, our knowledge has evolved on this, but what What we've always known from day one and have continued to maintain is those with underlying health conditions and the elderly are most susceptible to this. And it was inexcusable and borderline criminal that uh, Governor Cuomo allowed these COVID-infected patients to stay in these nursing homes because it ended up infecting others and the death toll just skyrocketed, skyrocketed as a result. And there was a story that came out uh, this past week. Fox News uh, had uh, reported it, and I'll read an excerpt from this. uh, A damning attorney general's report that showed Governor Andrew Cuomo and other officials downplayed the deadly impact of COVID-19 on New York's nursing homes finally led the state's embattled health commissioner on Thursday to reveal the total number of resident fatalities. In a defensive nearly 1,700-word statement, Dr. Howard Zucker released figures that put the tally of confirmed and presumed deaths in both nursing homes and hospitals at 12,743 as of January 19. The staggering number is only slightly less than the 13,000-plus suggested by the report issued earlier in the day by Attorney General Letitia James. That report said data from 62 nursing homes showed the death toll of residents was 56% higher than publicly acknowledged by the Department of Health. So if we've got that, uh, uh, Jacob, we've got that sound clip ready. Let's see. What uh, sound clip do I need here? Uh, it is, let me get to it. Um Yeah, it is uh, cut number three, Governor Cuomo at his press conference this past week. And by the way, just as an aside, these daily COVID press conferences that Governor Cuomo has had, he won an Emmy Award for these. He won an Emmy Award for these press conferences, these performances he gave at his press conference. In addition to while the pandemic was at its peak in the spring, he was writing a book, on how to display exemplary leadership during a pandemic. And, oh, yeah, several nights uh, he took the opportunity to, to to yuck it up with his little brother on uh, Chris Cuomo's CNN program, okay, as if all was good. Well, all was not good. So when this damning report came out that the number, the death toll in nursing homes was 56% higher than publicly not acknowledged by his Department of Health, uh, it's about a three-minute clip. This is, was uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo's uh, response to that.
3: Look, whether a person died in a hospital or died in a nursing home, it's the people died. People died. I was in a hospital. I got transferred to a nursing home, and my father died. My father was in a nursing home, got transferred to a hospital, and my father died. People died. By the way, the same people are dying today. 96% of the people who die are older people with comorbidities, which happens to be the population that lives in nursing homes. It's continuing today, even with all the testing that we're doing. Uh, If you look at New York State, we have a lower percentage of deaths in nursing homes than other states. A third of all deaths in this nation are from nursing homes. New York State, we're only about 28% only. But we're below the national average in number of deaths in nursing homes. But who cares? Thirty-three, twenty-eight, died in a hospital, died in a nursing home, they died. And
2: we'll stop that right there. We don't need to go any further. Ah, who cares how they died? They died. No, what, what, does it matter? And you see how he invoked his his father's death into this to try to try to come off as 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 emitting some sort of sympathy here. Well, here here's the issue, Governor. This was. These were some of these, many of these were preventable deaths because you kept COVID infected patients in the nursing home and allowed for care to take place in the nursing home as opposed to the hospital because you wanted to keep hospital beds clear. You wanted to keep ICU beds clear. So you kept them in the nursing home. Well, guess what? The most vulnerable individuals are in nursing home, which you just said. And so therefore, they were most susceptible to it. So these were preventable deaths. But the problem was it was contracted in the nursing home and then they were brought to the hospital to get treated and they died in the hospital and they were counted as deaths in the hospital, not in the nursing home. Why did you feel the need to fabricate that? And what's kudos to CNN last fall. They were fact-checking something about Governor Cuomo's nursing home policy, saying, you know, Governor Cuomo... Yeah, these people should have been in hospitals, but instead you kept them in the nursing homes. And when they contracted COVID in the nursing homes, guess what? It became more widespread because of a more vulnerable population. And here was his quote. He says, well, we never needed nursing home beds because we always had hospital beds. So it just never happened in New York where we needed to say to a nursing home, uh, we need you to take this person even though they're COVID positive. It never happened. Well, here are the facts. Cuomo's assertion that it never happened is false. According to a report from the New York State Department of Health, and this again, this was as of October, 6,300 COVID-positive residents were admitted to nursing home facilities following Cuomo's mandate that nursing homes accept the readmission of COVID-positive patients from hospitals. Whether or not this was needed, it did in fact happen. And again, this goes back to how corrupt the media is, and how nakedly biased the media is. They're constantly pickpiling upon Governor Ron DeSantis, Republican governor of Florida, for the death toll and death rate down there. Well, Florida, as a population, is a bigger state. And in terms of raw numbers, number of deaths in Florida, the death rate is much lower than New York, but in terms of number of deaths, just raw numbers. It's less than New York. You think they have a few elderly people in Florida? How about 350,000 elderly that are in 4,000 different nursing home facilities? Ron DeSantis, from day one, looked at the data and said, you know what? The elderly are most susceptible to this. So when they're talking about personal protective equipment, you know what DeSantis did? He sent the vast majority of this PPE, or not the vast majority, but a good number of the PPE to nursing homes. He kept all of the employees protected. So guess what? If they were somehow to contract the virus but were asymptomatic, they could pass it on to a resident. But if they had the proper PPE, then they then they were less likely to pass it on to a nursing home resident. But if a nursing home resident did happen to contract COVID, guess what? They were taken out of that nursing home and never allowed to return to that nursing home until they were fully symptom, until they were fully free of the virus. And so therefore, The nursing home fatalities didn't even come close to reaching those that we saw in New York State. But yet Ron DeSantis, along with Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia, were accused of engaging in an experiment of human sacrifice because they never completely closed down their states. They allowed bars and restaurants to stay open because guess what? They treated treated the citizens like adults, saying this is what you should do if you're going to go out in public. Okay? Okay. We're not going to shut down the state but if you go out in public yeah recommend wearing a face mask and guess what businesses private businesses should be able to mandate how they run their businesses so the good number of them said if you're going to patronize our business we ask that you wear a face mask and we're only and we're going to put up plexiglass between tables and we're going to physically distance so half of these tables might be shut down but they left it up to the businesses and guess what Florida's and Georgia's economies continued to hum along while their death rates were some of the more lower ones in the country. But they're the ones who are constantly criticized, but yet Governor Cuomo, and we've got this uh, cut number four, Governor Cuomo uh, pretty much universally lauded uh, by the media. This is a couple of minutes long. uh, Cut number four, this is kind of a supercut. Again, Tom Elliott has done yeoman's work in these supercuts on Twitter. Follow Tom Elliott. Uh, His Twitter handle is TomSElliott. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He does a great job with these supercuts. Here's a supercut of uh, different uh, media types uh, kind of engaging, uh, shall we say, in a uh, a love fest of uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. Jacob, cut number four.
4: We're grateful that across the country there are responsible leaders who are stepping up. One of them provided clear direction and memorable PowerPoints. New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo. I heard, though, that you had a crush on our boyfriend, Andrew Cuomo.
5: Dude, I, 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 everyone does, right? I think he's fantastic.
4: You know Cuomo. He even had a 70% approval rating in in April with Republicans. Why? Because he was leading.
0: Even lifelong Republicans tell me they look at Cuomo and they're like, God, there's a leader.
5: Governor Cuomo, who has been a leader in calling for a science-based Uh, ways to fight this coronavirus. The Academy says that he's being recognized for, quote, his leadership during the COVID pandemic and his masterful use of television to inform and calm people
4: around this world. Tonight, what we can see from Democrats, especially someone like Andrew Cuomo, is a really pointed prosecution of President Trump's handling of the virus. I I commend, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo in taking some of these steps that they already have in limiting capacity. I mean, I'm so
5: turned on by him. I'm so turned on by the leadership. I have feelings
1: for
3: Andrew Cuomo. I, I wrote a piece about it. Having heard you day after day after day, At your press conferences, I I have to wonder what it's like to be in your shoes with the weight of this responsibility and just the sheer exhaustion you must be feeling right now.
2: We're lucky now to be joined by Governor Cuomo. Governor Cuomo is joining us now. His
7: new book, by the way, is entitled American Crisis Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19
3: Pandemic. I hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country now. I'm wowed by what you did. And more importantly, I'm wowed by how you did it. So you just do what's right. I did what was right. I'm comfortable with what I did. I think the facts bear it out. I think the numbers bear it out. I think we saved tens of thousands of lives. But I did what was right.
2: And by the way, that final uh, uh, fawning, effusive praise heaped upon Governor Cuomo came from his younger brother, Chris Cuomo, who hosts the CNN show. How, How is that not a bigger outrage, by the way? Governor Cuomo, with all that's going on in the state, if you actually look at the actual data, you see that it isn't going as swimmingly. as it? it this is sure. This was sheer gaslighting all of these people. They were gaslighting you. And that final clip again that we played was uh, his younger brother, Chris Cuomo. How, how is that the least bit ethical? You know, these journalists—they're talking about ethics and democracy dies in darkness. And yet, he's and Andrew Cuomo was on multiple nights per week yucking it up with his younger brother and Chris Cuomo's CNN program. How how is how is that journalistic ethics? But yeah, whatever. I mean, you know. I well, we know, we know, we know what it is. It just it it just feeds their narrative. But uh, again, this was a pretty damning report that came out uh, about this Janice Dean. And again, I'll I'll wrap up with this. We're we're running up against a break here. Uh, Janice Dean. She's a meteorologist at Fox News. Both of her in laws uh, passed away. In New York nursing homes, and she has been one of the most fierce advocates of trying to hold Governor Cuomo accountable. And, and these deranged media types just dismiss Janice Dean as a weather lady. Ah, she's just a weather lady on Fox News. Who care? Which who cares what she has to say? Ah, she lost both of her husband's parents in nursing homes. Don't you think that she has a right to say something? Some sort of moral authority here. Uh, anyway, she wrote an op-ed at the New York Post. I'll read a f- couple final sentences. Governor Cuomo said this week in an interview on one of the channels that never asked him questions about the nursing home tragedy. Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to die in COVID. That's the truth. Turns out he was talking about himself. And again, that was from uh, Janice Dean. But as we're seeing demonstrated here, it's not that the uh, eagle maniacal Cuomo will ever acknowledge his complicity in this. 651-289-4488 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Home. AM 1280,
0: The Patriot. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide.
5: Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders. Psalm 23.4 tells us, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We were talking briefly about caning the other day, a punishment that can quickly deter people from crimes. The Lord's staff, a tool of the shepherd, and the rod to correct behavior both bring comfort to the psalmist. Kind of crazy. I sure do find it easy to appreciate when the Lord uses the staff to guide me and, as a consequence, the other sheep that walk with me. It's a little less easy to appreciate the use of the rod, even though I know it is absolutely required to drive folly from a child of God. Isn't it strange that these two very different tools bring us closer to the very same comforter? If you have any comments about this or other scripture, feel free to contact me at lee at thekingdombuilders.com. That's L-E-E at thekingdombuilders.com.
2: What does it mean to be a Christian woman
4: in today's culture? How does your faith in Jesus Christ relate to the world around you? Sometimes to have faith can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and sometimes challenging landscape. That's why you need to visit IBelieve.com. IBelieve.com is a site designed for Christian women. IBelieve.com has blogs, videos, and even daily devotionals. Whether you're looking for advice, ideas for your church group, or just an uplifting message, visit
6: IBelieve.com.
4: That's IBelieve.com.
0: AM 1280, The Patriot, and iHeartRadio. They go together like the Liberty Bell and its crack. Listen at iHeart.com or with the free iHeartRadio mobile app.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back, AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network, with me, Brad Carlson. One final, very short segment on the broadcast. Went a little long, that past segment. I apologize, folks, but we'll move on here. Hey, special programming note. Uh, This Tuesday, I will be filling in for Lee Michaels on his uh, broadcast on our sister station, AM 980, The Mission. I will be hosting Crosswalk, guest host for Crosswalk. It is on 5 to 6 p.m. again this Tuesday, February 2nd. Five to six p.m., and then of course I will be joining my friend and colleague Mitch Berg out on the ice on Medicine Lake for the annual Holes for Heroes ice fishing tournament. Uh, this is kind of our Super Bowl uh, every year because well, it usually comes on the day before the Super Bowl uh, because it's always the first Saturday in February. And this was a this is a phenomenal ice fishing tournament where all proceeds go to benefit uh, family members who have uh, immediate family members in active duty military. Mitch and I will be out on the ice from 1 to 3 p.m., and we thank a friend of the broadcast, Phil Krenke, of Snelling Heating for sponsoring the broadcast. Just go to SnellingCompany.com to check out their uh, fantastic – yeah, SnellingCompany.com is where you can find out more about Phil Krenke's organization, his company. And then that's it. I am out for the month of February. Yes, I will be taking a sabbatical for the entire month of February after February 6th, of course, So Mitch will be in for me on Sunday, February 7th. Well, he usually fills in for me on Super Bowl Sunday. But Sunday, February 7th, as well as Sunday, February 28th, Mitch Berg will be filling in for me. And then we have some surprise guest hosts for Sunday, February 14th and Sunday, February 22nd. Who are they? Well, if you listen to conservative talk in the Twin Cities, you might be familiar with who these folks are. I'm just going to let it sit out there, okay? You're going to have to tune in. Uh, the station may promote it; uh, it may be promoted on other programs. But I'm just going to tell you: uh, for every Sunday in February, while I'm on my sabbatical, you're going to just want to tune in, whether it's Mitch or these surprise special guests who are going to be filling in for me. But, folks, uh, I've enjoyed it. I'll be hope to hear you on hope to hear from you on AM 980, the mission, this Tuesday from five to six p.m., as well as this Saturday out on the, out of Medicine Lake, Mitch Berg and myself. Uh, but we will be back at a regular program Sunday, March 7th. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed weekend.
4: Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you will receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817 or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, EVRcleaning.com. Remember, forever cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned.
1: Paid for by Get Upside. This is Matt Crowder live at the Shell station on Forty First Street, reporting on the free gas app called Get Upside. That's letting people all over the country earn cash back on every gallon of gas they buy. Excuse me, miss, have you heard of the Get Upside gas app? Of
5: course, people are earning as much as three hundred dollars a year with the Get Upside app. It's so easy. You just take a picture of your gas receipt and get up to twenty-five cents a gallon cash back every time you buy gas.
1: Wow. Well, there you have it. Stop paying full price for gas. Download the free Get Upside gas app and earn a. Up- to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas this is matt crowder radio news network download the free get upside app now in the app store or google play to save up to 25 cents per gallon when you buy gas use promo code tank for a 50 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank that's up to 75 cents per gallon on your next tank you can cash out anytime to paypal or an e-gift for amazon and other brands earn cash back on gas on every fill up just download the free get upside app and use promo code tank that's t-a-n-k
7: Hi, everybody. This is Dennis Prager. I'm headed back to Israel in October 2021 for a 10-day Stand With Israel tour of the key sites and best places meant to give you an unprecedented view of a world you've likely only read or heard about. Come home inspired, renewed, and empowered by the experience. If you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel, this is your opportunity. Come with me in 2021 by calling 855-565-5519 or book online at StandWithIsraelTour.com.